And so I'd rather, I, I like watching other people work. I like watching things happen, but I'd rather be on the field and working really hard to win a goal. And our goal is to win souls, isn't it? So we're worn out. Our voice is nearly gone. Gleb was, Gleb was, he had 10, 11, 11 12-year-old boys. You imagine how hard that is to keep them, uh, their attention on you? And he did a great job. I was very, very pleased. All of them did a fantastic job. But we're wore out because we were trying to win a match. We're trying to win against the devil and win souls. So, all right, now I'm talking to you. This is sort of a strange thought, but this is how God wrote the Bible. He's, he's telling us that you need to learn to walk away from your ex's grave. And you're going to understand this in a moment. Romans chapter 7 and verse 1. We're in Romans chapter 7, verse 1. This, this chapter is going to blow you away with some brilliant truths about a Christian's relationship with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is going to give his example how we can be saved even though we sin. You say, I thought that if I got saved, I would stop sinning. No. <laughs> nope, not good. That's not going to happen. You see, if we Christians, and we are uh, sinners, if we Christians are sinners who still sin, and if God's law is right and has authority to expose our sin, how do we sin and still be saved? That's the question. And the truth is, our body's been declared death, dead. And you're going to learn, this whole thing is for you to understand this thing of what part of me is dead and what part of me is alive. And the part that's dead, you need to walk away from that's the old you, and it's like having an old ex. You know what an ex is, don't you? An ex-partner, and, and you say, boy, you're bringing up a terrible subject. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about somebody who used to be the one that you served, and you obeyed, and you, you tried to please, and it never worked. And now you're, you're free to walk away from him. So uh, uh, we are no longer bound to obey our flesh, which is our body, or our old sinful nature, anymore why because we've been declared dead and we're going to read let's read romans chapter 7 verse 1 2 3 4 5 6 just these six verses and then we'll pray one more time read along quietly as i read out loud know ye not brethren for i speak to them that know the law how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth but if the husband be dead, uh, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Did you see right there? As long as you're married, guess what? You're stuck. But if that person dies without you poisoning them, you're free. Let's go on. Verse 3. So then, if while her husband liveth, if she be married to another man, what happens? She shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. Notice the person that's struggling with who to be married to and how to get out of a bad relationship and into a good one is us. Uh, even to him, be married to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, the activity of sins, which were by the law, 
did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Everything we were doing before, the wages of our sin always led us to death. Verse 6, but now we are delivered from the law, not, not from God's law, but from the law that governed our old relationship. That law has been nullified. We have a new law. Watch this. That being dead, that person being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve a new man in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Let's pray. Father, we're going to deal with some tremendous subjects, but they're going to be kind of deep. And I pray you open people's minds. This is not, this is not what we expect. This is not what we already understand. This is your word, and we're, we're trying to comprehend what happens to our sins now that we're saved. What, what goes on? Why do we still sin, and how does... How is it that we still get to go to heaven? So would you please show us, help me be simple, plain, helpful. And I pray, God, you'd open some eyes to the wonder of what Christ did, not what religion or our prayers or our best efforts, but what you did to break us free from that old relationship, from that old marriage that was hurtful, that was killing us, and you gave us a new man, gave us a new relationship. Lord, may it be simple, clear, and helpful today. Help somebody get saved today. And help every Christian get encouraged to know, you know what? I am not spending time at my ex's grave. I'm walking in with a new man. I'm married to a new man. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we start off with the laws of, gov of God govern all of life. Okay, look there in verse 1 and 2 again. Paul is, is writing to the, to the Jews. A lot of Jews are reading this. Some of them are saved, some are lost, and they're all bringing up, well, what about the law? The law still says you're sinners, and we are. So Paul says this, verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. You know God's laws. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. And it does. Whether you like it or not, the Bible's right. And you better get to know the law because you're probably breaking some of them and you'll be judged for them. If you don't know what the speed limit on a road is, don't go 120. <laughs> because you might get caught out like I was, amen? And I got a ticket for it because I didn't know it was the slower speed limit. You still get tickets, amen? You still break the law even though you don't know them. So know the Bible. So verse 2, for the woman. Now he chooses a woman. He pictures this. It's not, it's not exclusive to just women. It is to show a, an illustration, an, an example. It helps us understand what Christ did for us. For the woman, which hath a husband, is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. Don't we say that when people get married? Till death do us part. Isn't that what we say? Because marriage is serious. Marriage is a commitment. Uh, marriage is a bond, we call it there. So uh, verse 2 ends off and it says, uh, but if the husband be dead, she is, by that same law, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So Paul starts off talking about mm -mm, uh, marriage and remarriage. He says, you were married to one person, but you want to be married to someone else. There's no way to be married to someone else until that person dies. And he starts off with talking about the authorities, uh, authority of God's laws. What are God's laws? Well, they describe rights and obligations, 
restrictions and protections of people when they enter into marriage. I'm glad for the laws that govern marriage. Because can you imagine some scum bucket of a guy impregnating an old girl and she's got child after child after child and he never takes responsibility. Marriage makes the man take responsibility. Amen. Marriage is not something where you can just do as you please. Do, do it yourself. Uh, Self-seeker. No, it is a, a, a um, uh, there is a law governing how the two people care for one another, protect one another, and if they step outside, they are used to get punished. Not anymore. But uh, the marriage laws in the Bible show us rights, obligations, restrictions, and protections of that family. Uh, you know, what we have today is people marry, if they do at all, and then they divorce, and then they remarry, and they divorce, they live together, they break up, on and on and on it goes. But the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, it says marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. That's the Bible. So it's a serious commitment when you get married to, to love, honor, obey until death. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks or says. Doesn't matter how you feel about it. Marriage puts you in a box and you've got to make it work. It was designed uh, by God to be honorable and good. Go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew, hold your place here and go back to Matthew chapter 19. People used to believe this. But you know what happened? Hollywood. You know, I, I watch very, you know, I, I'm not impressed with Hollywood, I, but I watch the stars. I watch the people who are, who are film stars and music stars, and you hear about them getting married and then divorced and then remarried and then divorced, and then they're with this girl. They're not happy. It's not working out. Uh, uh, that's not how marriage was designed. Uh, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto Jesus, tempting him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to put away, we'd say divorce, his wife for every cause? I mean, she burned the toast on me today. And he answered, Jesus censored and said unto them, Have you not read, back in Genesis 2, how that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. Boy, that'll do a lot of fixing up with our gender dysphoria. And he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. Now the wife wants to leave, maybe the husband wants to leave and they won't let him go. <laughs> and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they're no more twain, they're no more two people anymore, but one flesh. What therefore, hey, don't you believe that the government has the right to marry you? God puts you together. The Bible says what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. I found that every time someone, people try to change the laws of the land away from the laws of God, the more tyrannical the government leaders are and the less freedom we have. Don't change the laws. Our freedom comes from this book. Now, um, we're going to come back to Matthew 19, but I want you to continue here. Uh, uh, God's laws help so, it's, so that marriage is good and safe and protected. Expe you say, expectations ruin a life. It does not. You need expectations. You need to make sure that husband's coming home at night. 
You need to be able to expect that he's going to pay the bills. You need to expect that woman's not going to run off with somebody else. Expectations are what God gave us, right expectations. Now we come to look there in verse 2, back there in Romans chapter 7. And a married woman is bound to her husband, it says. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. Hmm. Now the same goes for a man, all right? He's, uh, he's bound to the woman he married. He can't just expect her to always be there. He's supposed to be there. And by the way, you're not just lawfully wedded. You're legally bound to stay wedded. That's the thing where marriage is not something until you get tired of the other person or until the other person sort of gets too old or just doesn't cook well or whatever. That's not marriage. Marriage has, no, no, no. You're legally bound to stay married. Uh, but the law does allow for remarriage. All of a sudden, some of you ladies are sitting up, huh? <laughs> Look there at the end of verse 2. But if the husband be dead... <laughs> Some of your ladies are going, I knew it, I knew it. I just got to figure out how to do it without getting caught. If the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband that bound the two of them together. So how does God, in the Bible, allow for a marriage if the other person dies? Again, we say, till death do us part. Now, there are actually three ways to break up a marriage. And all three of them are awful, okay? The first one is the death of the other person, one of the two people. By, if the other person dies, you are free to remarry. The second way that a marriage can be broken up is by abandonment or abuse. Somebody gets physical and actually physically hurts the other person. I'm not talking about where they're just angry, but where they actually become aggressive and they're dangerous. Yes. You can put distance between you. You can put them in prison. Amen. That is a, that is, uh, a, a way to break up the marriage. You want to go through that? And the third one is adultery. All three of them are painful ways to break up a marriage. Would you agree? It's not what God wants. Paul uses only the first reason for remarriage because the other two are added because of the hardness of, of men's hearts. Go to Matthew chapter 19. Again, holding here in Romans 7, Matthew chapter 19. If you still have that, you're ahead of the game. Matthew chapter 19. We just read from there. We'll go down to verse 7 now. Those Pharisees always have another question, <laughs> and it says this, Matthew 19, 7. They say unto him, well, why did Moses then command to give a writing, an authority of dis divorcement, and to put her away? Why did, why did the law say that we could put our wives away? Verse 8, he saith, Jesus says back unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you, barely permitted you, to put away your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. So just understand, Paul says those other two are not good reasons to get, get a divorce uh, and, and, and to, to try and remarry. They're there, but they're not something you want. So let's discover now, Paul's going to now give us an example, a comparison to the Christian life. Let me read two down to four. The woman has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called a two-timer. She's, she's playing the field and she's living dangerously. She's an adulteress. 
But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law that held her to that first husband so that she is no adulteress. She's free, though she be married to another man. Verse 4, wherefore, my brethren, Paul says, I'm going to use this, 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 this couple here where a woman seeks to get away from this abusive relationship, this relationship that is killing her. She wants to be free from it and married to another man, but she can't be because she's already married. And Paul says, it's great because I want to show you how Christ stepped in and made it possible for you to be married to another man. Watch this. Not, not, not married physically, not ladies and gentlemen. This is not a way for you to get remarried. This is a way for you to live free from the power of sin over your life. Verse 4, let me read it again. For my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another, even to him, even to Jesus, who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So, in simple things, the woman is us. He talks about ye, you. And he's speaking particularly about the part of us that's really, really you. All right? When I look at you, I look at an outward shell. All right? I look at the glove. The, the real you is under the skin. It's called the soul. And when Paul is writing to, to these, these Romans and to the, to the Jews, saved, lost, doesn't matter, he's talking to them, the real them, their soul. Uh, it's the real me inside of my flesh and my body. We, and he describes it, why does this do this? We already are married to our flesh. We're stuck with it. <laughs> Try to get rid of your flesh. That'll hurt. You need your body, amen? But we're married to it. So let me give you an illustration, all right? So uh, that's the real me. He's my soul. That's the part of me that, that hurts, cries, laughs, dreams, um, uh, is depressed, happy. Uh, that's the, I make choices. My body doesn't make the choices. My soul does. That's me. That's what was made in the image of God. Now, I happen to be stuck with my body. All right. As a matter of fact, it's it's really stuck. All right. They're married to each other. My soul and my body are married to each other. Um, and so I want you to understand that uh, whatever my body does affects me. I'll be real plain. Uh, when your body is weak, it affects your your soul, your emotions, doesn't it? When when your body's hurting, I mean, you just don't want to laugh. When your body's in the hospital, it's hard, it's hard to have joy and want to just praise God. I understand all that. Uh, uh, you want to act. I mean, I want to act like I'm 23, and I'm quickly reminded at Bible Club I'm 60. <laughs> when your hair falls out, it wins, not my willpower. I'm not going to lose hair today in the shower. <laughs> when your body lusts for drink or drugs, you obeyed. That's how this thing... Even though you knew that drink would put you under the table, even though you knew that drug could separate and ruin your marriage, you still went ahead and went with your body, didn't you? Because you're married to it. You serve it. You try to make your body happy. I mean, you, we call it comfort food. We, we, we sit down in front of the television for six hours at a time trying to make our body happy, and it doesn't work. And as much as you may hate your old life... You, the relationship you have with the old you, you can't, you can't step out on it. <laughs> it 
it would be adultery. By the way, I would just say, this is a rotten relationship. Would you agree? I mean, there are some days where it's nice, but the rest of the time you say, I wish I had a new body. I wish I had a body that didn't sin. I wish I had a body that just didn't do its own thing, didn't pull me down. Wish I had different thoughts. I wish I had, had different eyes. Wish I had different memories. Well, it's a rotten relationship. That body's like a, like a cruel husband. It makes you do what it wants. That's a cruel husband. Now, there's another part of you, if you know your Bible. The Bible says we're soul, body, and what's the third part? There's a spirit. And before you get born again, your spirit is empty and it's dead towards God. But you know what's funny? There is, mm, I don't like this. Uh, Jesus wants to fill that part. Jesus doesn't want to fill your body. He can't fill your soul. Your soul is already full of you. But he wants to fill your spirit. He wants to fill that part of you that he designed to live in. That is why your spirit is there. So, uh, we go on. We are married to our flesh. I'll keep going over these verses till you see it. Verse 2, he says there in Romans 7, For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is freed from that law, so that she is no adulteress anymore, though she be married to another man. Now that's all describing that first marriage is our marriage to our flesh. We are bound to our flesh as long as it's alive. And the only way for sinners to be free to remarry and actually be in a better relationship is for somebody to die. Okay? And it would be for our own flesh to die. It would be for our flesh to die. But if you're waiting, now watch me, I want you to understand, if I'm waiting for this body to finally die before I have a good relationship with, with Jesus, I'd be waiting too long. I want to have a relationship with him now. So there's got to be something that God can do so that you don't physically have to die so that you can be married, have an intimate, close, passionate, real relationship with Jesus Christ, and you are no longer married to the flesh. Do you understand where we're going with this? So, let's look in, um, let me make a point here. Everyone wants to be married to a better partner. I don't care how long you're married. I don't care how beautiful, how perfect your wife is or your husband is. Sometimes <laughs> you're going to go, boy, I, I don't know what I saw in him. <laughs> I don't know what went on. And every human is married to a, a, an awful husband like that called their flesh. So Paul is comparing their weak, selfish, self-centered body to being married to an undesirable husband that we're stuck with. We're subject to the whims of our flesh. And I'll be honest with you, wouldn't you agree that even married women wish they had a better husband? There's a store that opened in New York City there a couple of years back, uh, uh, and it offered free husbands. And when uh, women would go there to choose a husband, they had to, were told, just follow the instructions at the elevator. So uh, the instructions said, you may visit this store only once, and there are six floors to choose from. You may choose any item from a particular floor, or you may choose to go to the next floor. But you cannot go back down. 
except to exit the building. So this woman goes to the store. She wants a husband. On the first floor, the sign on the floor, on the door, she opens, says, floor one, these men have jobs. She gets back in, pushes for number two, and goes up to the next floor. The second floor opens up, and the sign reads, floor number two, these men have jobs and love kids. She steps back and says, oh, there's got to be better. She pushes the button. It goes to floor three. The door opens, and the sign says, these men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. Wow, she thinks. But she feels compelled to keep going. I mean, she's only on floor three. So she gets back in the elevator, goes to the fourth floor, and opens the door, and she sees a sign that says floor four. These men have jobs, love kids, and are drop-dead looking and help with housework. Oh, she is just, she is about to faint. Mercy me, she says, I can hardly stand it. But she backs up, goes in, presses the fifth floor, Button goes up and sign at the door says, floor number five, these men have jobs, love kids, draw, are drop dead gorgeous, help with housework and have a strong romantic streak. Oh, she is so tempted to stay, but she steps back, pushes the sixth floor, opens the door, opens up and there's a sign that says, floor number six, you are visitor number 71,456,012 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof that you are impossible to please. <laughs> we all wish that the, the marriage partner was different, better, more superior. That's, that's our flesh talking. That's our nature. Let me just say this. There is a better man to marry. Truly, the perfect man does exist. He actually chose his wife even when she was unworthy. He is honorable. He has impeccable character. He is the hardest working man you've ever, 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 ever seen or ever lived. He never complains, hallelujah, and he never quits. He loves this woman unconditionally, and he has no expectations of her for, it to be, for him to love her. He could never hurt her or forsake her, and he will give his own life to save her. Who is that? is Jesus Christ. And you know what, what's amazing? He so wants to marry us. He so, God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ wanted to marry us and so he died for us. So, because however, we're already married, to what? Our flesh, our old nature. Now don't get lost here. The real you is not flesh and bones and chemical reactions. The real you is your soul. And unfortunately, your and my soul is stuck to our flesh. It's, it's compared to being married. Every time your hand steals something, it affects your soul. Did you ever notice that? It makes you feel guilty. You watch something with your eyes and you see something filthy. It makes you feel filthy on the inside. At least it should. The real you is your soul. Every time your mouth says something wicked, your soul sins and will be judged for it. Amen. Ezekiel 18. I know you're in Romans. Go back to the left. Find Ezekiel. <laughs> if you find Matthew, go left. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4. Ezekiel 18, 4. <clears throat>
Ezekiel 18, 4, behold, all, what? Say it with me, say it louder. Souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul, not just the fingers, not just the eyes, but the soul that sinneth, it shall. Wow. So it doesn't say if the body that sins or the flesh that sins. It says the soul that sin, it shall die. So you're, listen, uh, is it not true that when, when there's a crime committed, they look at who are their accomplices, who was with them, who helped them out? And you say, well, my husband, he, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's a car salesman and he robs people out of their money, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, you're associated with that person. You're married to that liar, uh, uh, that car salesman. And what they, if, if they got caught for lying and stealing and, or, or stealing money or embezzling or selling lemons, it would affect you, wouldn't it? Could be going to prison and not without income. And our body, when it sins, it affects our soul. Now, as I said, that just like a woman who's in, a, in an abusive, a cruel marriage relationship, she may see another man, the better man, a perfect man, and, and want to be married, but you're still married. You can't step out on that first relationship, can you? Because if you did to be with the better man, you'd be an adulteress. So what, somebody has to die. That's what's so cool about this thing. Look at verse 4, Romans chapter 7, verse 4 again. Wherefore, my brethren, <clears throat> ye, circle that word ye, is talking to us, also are become what? Who died? We did. Ye are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. What happened to the body of Christ? It died was buried and rose again. I want you to see what, <laughs> when I'm married, the Bible says the two become one what? Flesh. Two bodies become one. And by the body of Christ, I can become one with him by his death, burial, resurrection. This is absolutely brilliant. Look at verse four. Let me start over again. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead now, that ye should bring forth fruit unto God. Let me see how far I want to read with that. Just verse 4. Okay. So what or who died so that you could bury a better man? The law did not die. Stop this. Do you know what a lot of Christians believe? The law died on the cross. It did not. The law didn't die at all. As a matter of fact, the law is good and it still governs life. It still governs us. The law is good. It doesn't say the law died. It says I died. Now, a lot of people will say, well, sin died on the cross. No, it didn't. Sin didn't die. <laughs> because if it died, I wouldn't be struggling with it still. Sin's not dead. The law's not dead. The better man died. I want you to understand, when Jesus died and he took our place, something absolutely eternal and marvelous happened when he died for his wife it enabled me to die not my old man you see what he did was when when i say the old man i'm talking about physically making me dead um he died and i want you to go to ephesians you're in romans go to the right go to ephesians chapter five kind of getting ahead of myself because this is so cool 
Ephesians 5. Verse 25, Ephesians 5, 25, great chapter on husband-wife relationship. It says, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So in order to, for me to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he had to die. But that's not all. Back there in Romans chapter 6 now, I want you to go back. The old me died with him. Look at Romans 6, 6. We did this over the last several weeks, but I want to bring back your memory. And when the Bible talks about our old man, he's talking about our nature to sin, the old me that's locked up in my flesh, in my body, knowing this, that our old man is, what's that next word? When Christ was crucified, and I believed it, God took and nailed me the old me to that cross and I'm dead. Watch this. Our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin, hallelujah, might be destroyed that henceforth we should not, no longer, serve sin. Look down to verse 11. So what should I need to do? Reckon, believe ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's the background that the old me died with Christ all my sinful past died when Christ died so as far as God is concerned the old you is dead and buried with Jesus Christ now when I see you you look the same all right you dress the same you walk the same but there needs there, there it needs to be known that as far as God's concerned that part of you that used to dominate your life and used to control your life control your thinking control your appetites is dead as far as God's concerned he wants nothing to do with it there's another part of you he's going to emphasize and he's going to invest in do you ever notice how prosperity gospel preachers have it absolutely all backwards they want your life now to be so full of blessing and so full of money and so full of of fame and and appreciation where Jesus wants none of that you know when Jesus got a cross do you know what he calls a Christian to do carry the cross so when somebody's on television and they've got a fancy uh, hairstyle and they've got rings on every finger and they tell you, follow Jesus to, have, to, to be blessed, they're only talking physically. And you need to stop worrying about your body. You say, well, I've got health problems. I've got money problems. I've got family problems. I've got mental problems. I don't know what. I've got all this stuff. It is well with my soul. You need to realize the Lord Jesus wants to invest in your spirit now. Okay, um, uh, I got to push on. The resurrected Christ may be able to cling to him. This is the most marvelous part. Obviously, I did not physically die when I got saved. When I heard about Christ's death and I believed it, that's when God declared the old me dead. Only God can do that. A judge cannot look at Emmanuel and says, you're dead. <laughs> okay. But God can declare. Did you know what God can do? God can declare a dead man in a tomb named Lazarus, come out. And out he comes alive. And he can declare you to be um, uh, alive in Christ. He can give you eternal life just by his word, just by declaration. And with that same power, he can declare the old you dead. The only problem is you don't believe it. 
God declared the old me dead, and he made me free to remarry. Hallelujah. That's the thing. That's what Paul's whole point is. Genesis 2.24, don't go there. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. That was a, a marriage picture and it applied to my old life. And now it applies to me being married to a new man. Let me show you um, the, the illustration. Oh, I'll come back to this. I'll come back to my illustration in a second. Look in verse five and six. We're almost done. Romans chapter seven, five and six. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members, our fingers, our toes, our mind, our head, to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from that law that governed that bondage. That, that person being dead, wherein we were held, that's our flesh. That we should serve in newness of what? Ah, and not in the oldness of the letter. All right, so the problem is with our flesh. Verse 5 says, when we were in the flesh, in a relationship with the flesh, the motions of sins, that's all the activities, the lusts, the anger, the wrath, the lying, the pride. Have you ever found, have you not noticed how tiresome anger is? You ever notice how worn out you are when you're just bitter all the time? You ever notice how sin just, just wears us out? That's not the Christian life. The motions of sins, which were by the law, which were exposed by the law of God, they only ruined our life. They pushed us further and further closer to death every day. When we were in the relationship with our flesh, all those activities of sin ruined our life. And they just it was, we were one step away from, from death and from the judgment of God. But the truth is this. We have now been delivered from the law binding the first marriage. And again, I'll say this. The law itself did not die. The old me died. You know who your worst enemy is, Mona? Mona. <laughs> oh, but the devil's against me today. Eh, probably. Oh, you don't know who I live with. Yeah, I understand. But your worst enemy, look in the mirror, and that's the enemy. And somehow that old you has to die. Um, a Christian has been freed from their fleshly nature by open soul surgery. Let me take your, open your Bible to Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Colossians chapter 2, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 2. In verse 10, you've heard of open, open heart surgery. Let me show you open soul surgery. Colossians chapter 2, in verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without. Okay, so normally when we think of circumcision, Jewish circumcision, it was you had to have a guy, and you had to have hands, you had to have a knife. It was all flesh. And Paul says there's a circumcision done without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What are we talking about? Something broke the bondage between me and my flesh. Verse 12, buried with him, not in water baptism, this is all spiritual, wherein also ye are risen with him. I was buried by being immersed in Christ, and I'm risen with Christ through the faith of the, what's that next modern word? 
How many of you ever had an operation on your appendix, on uh, a wart, on something? God has an operation. Look at what it says. By the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you used to be dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened, we'd say, resurrected together with him, having forgiven you how many trespasses? <laughs> when he broke that bondage with my flesh, the soul was completely forgiven. You know what my flesh is? It's still going to die. It is not, listen, you're so worried about how you look, your height, your hair color. I gave up on that a long time ago. We're so worried about everything that's physical. And God says, why don't you focus on this relationship? Stop visiting the grave of your ex. Amen. Does that make sense now? If your ex, you, is dead and gone, move on. Get into a new relationship. Hallelujah. So, a Christian is in the best marriage ever. I'm just going to have, I'm just going to read this. Hosea chapter 2, don't go there. It says, verse 19, 20 says, God says, I will betroth thee unto me forever. Is that word betroth? Isn't that a wonderful old English word? I will betroth, I will marry you. I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness. This is God talking to us and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. I will never leave you and thou shalt know the Lord. 2 Corinthians 11, 2, Paul says, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. He's talking to Christians. For I have espoused you, I've engaged you to one husband, a new husband, that I may present you like a father walks down or an older brother walks down the bride to meet her husband. I have espoused you that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. You know who I'm married to right now besides, Mar besides Nita? <laughs> I got married to somebody before her, and that was Jesus Christ. Now, I, I like being married physically. I like being married now. But that marriage is not going to satisfy. Too many women got married and found out it wasn't going to satisfy. Too many men got married thinking it was all they needed to do. And that's not all. You need to be married to Jesus Christ. You need to have a relationship with him. And I'm going to say this. i got to get to it. Walk away from that grave and... Oh, I'll come back to it. Walk in the spirit. I'll answer that in a second. Okay, let's do the final diagram. There's me in the middle. My body has been declared dead. It is buried, gone, and I'm married to my spirit. And my spirit is filled with Jesus. Just like my relationship with my wife is filled with Nita as much as I want it to be. Do you understand? I can ignore Nita and a relationship meter goes down, down, down. But she's still there. But shouldn't I fill my time with Nita and that relationship gets sweeter and sweeter? And shouldn't I be filled with the Spirit? Shouldn't I walk in the Spirit? I should walk in that relationship. Because I'm married to Him. I mean, that's the term. I don't just know God. He knows me and loves me anyway. <laughs> that's a perfect relationship. The relationship with my body was a rotten relationship, wasn't it? I mean, if you're, if you're 22 years old, you think you're, in, you're indestructible. You think you're the best looking thing. You think you're women's answer to every problem in their life. You are, you are just stuck on yourself. Get 50 and find out how many bones ache and how many things are wrong. Things won't work. 60, 70, that's a rotten relationship. And all it does is it thinks of itself. 
You know who we think of now? Each other. I think of pleasing Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ thinks of pleasing me. That's a perfect relationship. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's what. Everything my body used to do affected my soul. Everything Jesus did affects me now. <laughs> Honestly, my body still sins, but it's going down. Jesus Christ took me, is already in heaven, and one of these days, everything, his resurrection is taking me with him. He now affects me. Somebody ought to say amen. Why would I ever want to continue to serve my flesh anymore? Why would I ever want to continue to walk with that old husband who's dead? <laughs> I read, there's a woman there years ago here in Ireland. They, they went to, they said there was an aroma. And they, the, the uh, guard made a, a, a compassion call and, and came in there. And that old woman there inside there had her husband still in the chair. And he'd been dead for like three months. And she, they says, what are you doing? She says, I just couldn't bring myself to bury him. <laughs> and I'm laughing because that's how Christians are. We just can never just separate from the old man. We keep him around and he's stinking. And we're catering to him. He's still in the, he's still in the lounge chair in front of the TV. <laughs> so, all right, summary. We were married to our flesh from our birth. And people come to church, you know, at, at Bible Club, there are a lot of kids who learned about heaven. They learned about Jesus, learned about the Bible. They learned about God and how awesome it is. And every one of them are yearning to have that relationship. Every one of us want to have a better relationship than we do with ourselves, Because there is a better man to marry. It's not a religion. It's not the things you've got to do. It's what he did. But he can't marry us. Not until there's been a break where some part of you dies so that you can remarry. Does that make sense? Jesus is not going to be an adulterer and marry somebody who's married to the flesh. Do you see that thing? So somebody says, well, you know, um, I don't want to stop. I got to stop. Jesus cannot marry us until somebody dies. And that's the old me. And the old me died on the 15th of June, 1980. God ran the old me and all of my past directly back and nailed the old me to the cross. I am crucified with Christ. Oh, this thing doesn't work exactly. So, last thing, Christ enabled me now to have a new relationship with him forever. When we get to Romans chapter 8, you're going to dance. The jewel, the crown jewel of Romans is chapter 8, and you're going to find out that relationship is the sweetest, best, most enduring, most enjoyable relationship to have. You ought to have it now. But you're going to have to walk away from the ex. <laughs> Forget about your body. Man, you say, my, my body's a mess. I've smoked for the last 80 years. I've... I've put so much filth into my mind and my head and my heart. Mm -hmm. Your body's going to rot and decay and turn to dust, but your soul will live on forever, won't it? And you need to decide whether you're going to serve that old man that'll lead you to death and hell, or you're going to let Jesus Christ take his life, take the old you and put him out. <laughs> And so that you can serve the new husband, Jesus Christ, who will never leave you or forsake you. Stand with me and let's bow in prayer.
My Father in heaven, Lord, I pray this was evident. I pray this was simple. You wrote it, and maybe I messed it up. I don't know if everybody got it or not, but I pray everybody understood about that break up of the relationship I used to have. And that I'm free now to walk in the Spirit. I am free now in this new relationship that you purchased, that you did everything for. I'm the recipient of such perfect love and life. Why would I still hang around with the old me? Why would I still want to be the old me? Why would I care about the old me? Yeah, I've got to bathe. Yes, I've got to feed the body. Yes, that old flesh is going to do wrong, but we're, it's broken. That dominance, that bound bondage is, is gone. I'm bound to you. But it's not automatic. Not everybody's a child of God. Not everybody's in the kingdom of God. Not everybody's saved. They're only delivered when they cry out to you and say, I want to be free from the old me. I'm tired and sick and tired of being the sinner I am. And I don't even know how to stop. But I cry out to you and I ask you, God, please, save me. Evidently, you did something so that I could be with you. Would you do whatever it takes to forgive me and, and, and accept me? Because I now accept you. I, I prayed something like that. It's not the prayer you pray, but the heart you cry out with. If you prayed something like that, that's what gets you to heaven. Father, would you just bless these people with an understanding of the freedom we have in this new relationship? Boy, shouldn't we walk in the Spirit now? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.